Hello and welcome to the reboot of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast brought to you by MLS Fantasy Boss and Friends. And uh, my name is Reed. You may know me better as Dashdar on the Reddit forums for our fantasy MLS. And I'm joined by a couple of good, great, actually, MLS Fantasy Minds. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, this is Travis, a.k.a. Travi the Rabbi. I uh, help Dashdar uh, moderate the fantasy Reddit forums. Oh, cool. And uh, I'm Simon. I go by Sir Meowly on MLS Fantasy. And I don't really hang out on Reddit that much, but on uh, on Reed's site, MLSFantasyBoss.com. That's where I'm at. You guys played yourself down some. Uh, Simon also had a little blog his own this season, uh, The Artificial Pitch, where he posted his teams. That's where I first found him. And then Travis also writes for Dynamo Theory. So... You guys aren't scrubs. We're really excited to have all you listeners back. I know that MLSFI took a little break uh, after AJ and Lance needed to step back for a while. So we're hoping to carry on the torch and just provide some great MLS fantasy info and a chance for all the, the fans of the game and, and, the, and the sport to just have fun. So we're going to jump right into everything we have here first. Uh, since our fantasy MLS on Reddit is integral in everything that I think is happening right now, I'm going to announce the winners of our league. So first I have to say congrats to Mike Gray who won the $200 gift card from MLS because we had over 750 members by the deadline. Congrats to you. And then our top three, we have Richie Fearson who won overall in the whole game, but he got a scarf and a base set of tops MLS playing cards. And then congrats to Robin Lowe who got a scarf, came in second. And then Rob Martin who also got a scarf coming in third. Good job, guys. Nice. How'd you guys do? Well, I uh, I wound up finishing 19th overall. I came in second in the Houston Dynamo League, um, second to Boycottamo 2, who won the Dynamo uh, League, but he also finished in the top 10, which means uh, both Boycottamo and I uh, got, to, uh, got uh, the $200 gift cards from MLS. I won the Reddit... Fantasy MLS head-to-head league, which got me basically bragging rights <laughs> for next year, and uh, and that's pretty much it. What about you? Um, I finished. I don't even remember where it was. Somewhere sixty something in the overall. Yeah, sixty-sixth overall. So that's what it says here on the on the final stats page, and. Oh man, the Sounders League is hard. I finished eighth in the Sounders League, and boy, there's just a lot of people in that league. So no prizes this year, but uh, maybe that's one of my gripes that we'll get to when we talk about how this fantasy season worked later. But um, yeah, finished better than last year and ended up not getting a prize, which is different than last year. So uh, yeah, but 50, 50 place improvement from last year, I think. I finished just outside the top 100 last year, so pretty happy with it. You guys creamed me this year. I uh, I got top 50 last year, but this time I had to settle for top 400. Uh, buying a house and doing some moving things really eats into your fantasy time, I found out. But I did get second in the Extra Time Radio Head-to-Head League, and uh, I scored top 20. I, I ended up picking the Sporting Kansas City League to go for there, which maybe should have gone for Chivas. That might have been the easier league to try to win, but I got top 20 in there as well. So uh, not as great this year, but still a lot of fun. New format and everything, which speaking of new format, 
What'd you guys think of that? Yeah, so um, the new format was, uh, at the beginning of the season, it was pretty interesting. Uh, the changes to add three extra players, uh, to have 18 total players and an extra 20 million. Um, it sounded interesting, and then as the season went on, um, it just kind of it didn't really work out because you didn't need that many players. I wound up using a core of probably 13 or 14 players, and the rest uh, were kind of scrubs. I mean, it was it was fun to kind of try to pick out the the cheapo guys that you thought might get hot, but it didn't really work out. I think the only one of the only guys that that actually worked out in that kind of situation was like Remick. Uh, got some a lot of minutes early on in the season, but uh, uh, I kind of thought 18 was a couple too many players. That's kind of funny. I actually really liked having 18 players, although I guess similarly similar experience um, with not playing most of the players on the roster, just because I think so it gives you a little bit of a higher salary cap because they keep the average price per player the same on on like the cap level and so i thought it's interesting because it gives you more options and i tend to think that especially in a game with really high variance like fantasy um it's kind of like nice to have that that extra skill level involved but then of course some of that got taken away by the fact that there were no auto subs and so just relying on like brute labor to make that work in some cases. That was my, that was the only thing uh, with the system that I didn't really like is no auto subs, but the bigger roster, kind of more skilled to me, even though I feel like most of us did not use the actual bigger rosters. Yeah. And I'll also throw in the the price inflation into that. Uh, I, I agree with, with Travis. I found the, larger roster to be pretty much pointless with without an auto sub system because I know I was not able to be at the screen for every kickoff and that that seemed to be a necessity for that. I kind of got the feeling that was because of all the caparoo and switcheroo stuff that was going on last year, but I hope there could be some more creative ideas for fixing that. But I did like the price changes to add that skill like you were talking, Simon, because it couldn't just load up with all the big name players. I had the the highest team value last year and I just had a full roster of just a grade A top top pretty much a designated player team and uh, it really makes you make more choices but about halfway through the year I just said these guys on my bench aren't doing anything so I just scrapped them took that money and invested it into a, a team about the same size that I had last year so I I hope that gets changed because I thought it was kind of pointless without those subs yeah if if uh, one thing I would like to see uh, maybe for next year, is uh, I wouldn't mind going back to the format where we had the auto subs. Um, but one thing they could do would be to switch it where there's no manual subs. I think that was the case a couple of years ago. Uh, it didn't allow manual subs, but uh, that would allow us to have uh, extra players and not have to worry about watching every single starting 11 to make sure our guys are in the 11s. Uh, but it will also eliminate the Caparoo if there were no manual subs. Uh, but I think one of the only ways that would work is if 
they changed the substitution rules. Uh, last year, the substitutions that happened for automatic subs uh, were based on minutes played. If the player played any minutes, they automatically got subbed in. What I found myself doing this season with completely manual subs was the decision was solely made based on whether or not the player was in the 11. If they were in the 11, I was playing them. If they weren't in the 11, odds are I'm not going to play them. And I'm going to pick someone else that's probably going to get more minutes. Uh, so if they switch the auto sub to be based on when they see the rosters are out and they see the 11s that are posted, the auto sub rules automatically take that into account rather than whether or not they see the field. I think that would kind of be almost the best of both worlds, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, that's a good thought. Uh, something I thought about would be if we if we got to have our captains and vice captains back, was that those guys can't come off the bench. They have to they have to play. So then that would remove that option of captaining a guy who's not going to play to see how your vice captain's going to get. But they both have to play on the field. Can't can't come off. But yeah, I like that minutes. That's that's creative. What about the playoffs? Did you guys miss not having those last few games in the league in the game this year? Oh God. I no, I did not miss having <laughs> playoffs involved. Um, yeah, I thought I don't know the playoffs. You have so few people to choose from. I thought it was kind of nice to just keep it in the regular season this year. But also, I come from playing fantasy football first, where the playoffs in fantasy football happen in fantasy during the regular season, and then there's no fantasy during American football playoffs. And yeah, to a certain extent, fantasy is fun to do throughout. But then I think especially when you get towards the end of the playoffs, like it's it's not really like people are choosing different players. So what's the point? Yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was fun, but it was crazy. And and it, it was basically you're just picking which team you think is going to win. And all of your points are, are pretty much coming from that. And so if you made good picks, and, and I, I remember one of the players, I can't remember who it was, but they played four or five uh, Dynamo on the back line uh, for one of the playoff games, and the Dynamo posted a shutout, and they got 20 points from that alone. Sounds like and, a I mean, it was an all-or-nothing gamble, but it was it was pretty interesting. But it's just, it kind of defeats the whole, I mean, you're basically getting really lucky or really not lucky. And so I liked this year just being able to relax and enjoy the playoffs and not have to worry about setting my rosters. I think this is the main difference between you guys and, and me because I missed it. I, I enjoyed that crazy grab the guys, Hail Mary for if your whole back lines going to get it to work out. Uh, I actually didn't watch as many of the early cup games because I didn't feel as invested in it. But you, you guys both had a team that was going through the playoffs. Being from Kentucky, I've got no real loyalty, I guess, uh, but nothing to really root for until near the end this time for me. Well, if it's any consolation, uh, Houston didn't really have a team to root for in the playoffs this year either. So That's true. I was thinking last year, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, it's too much stress to worry about fantasy uh, and the Sounders doing well in the playoffs at the same time. Uh, that's that's some pretty high stress levels. So 
I was kind of happy I didn't have to think about fantasy at the same time, too. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, since this is our after season, I know we've got some stats that we're looking forward to sharing later on in the, the year with everybody else, but there have already been some trades going on. Not talk too long about it because I, I'd hate to start throwing out predictions when so few have really happened, but uh, the trades with Orlando and New York, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, so I think Orlando has built a pretty good backbone uh, between Tally uh, Hall and Okugo. And um, Colin went there as well, right? Yeah, they've got a. They've also got Ricketts, I think. They've got a beast of some rotation there on defense. Yeah, important to maybe note with Tally Hall is that he is not going to be playing at the start of the season because he's got that torn ACL. Um, and so they'll start the season with another keeper, and he's not supposed to be ready um, right at the start. But if I guess you're playing Ricketts for the first quarter or first half of the season or whatever, that's really not that much of a downgrade, assuming he can stay healthy. And those central defenders are so good. They really are. But looking at the the data from last year, Portland did give up a lot of goals. And so that's sort of a reason why I noticed they kind of cleared house with their defense this year. But uh, I mean, defenders in general, not so great on production this year. No, they were horrible on production this year. And I think part of it was just, I mean, so many goals were scored this year compared to last year, and and extra red cards, uh, extra penalties. Penalties were way up this year. Um, and so by third of the season in, I think a lot of people realized, okay, these defenders, with their price uh, inflated from last year, uh, just aren't producing. And at least for me, I dumped the, the second half of the season, I played three in the back the entire season. Same here. Toward the end of the season, or at least the second half, it became so apparent that you're just wasting your time by spending any more than four or five million on defenders in most cases. Um, don't really know what you do to fix that or if that's even a problem, but something interesting at least. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to how people react to these past two years next season to see what what kind of makeup people get at the beginning. Yeah, I'll definitely be wary uh, <laughs> before I spend $11 million on Colin again. <laughs> that was one of the biggest busts that uh, that I dumped as quickly as I could at the beginning of the season last uh I guess what made it like it more painful, too, is that the defenders were up in price this year. And, like, even if the production... The production was down from them, right? But it was a combination of production is down and they cost more than they did the previous year. And it was like, oh, there's got to be more efficient ways to spend that money. Yeah. Yeah. Find those cheap center defenders to rack up those CBIs and recoveries. Yeah. David Horst was in my roster for the first half of the season. Beast. Yes. Yeah. So I was really impressed by New York's draft. That I, I liked. I liked Orlando's defense, but... New York FC, solid. They, they're just. I look at that and I'm like, wow, that's that's going to be a team to play against. Right, and with Houston and Kansas City leaving, mm. it, it's going to be they're going to be uh, against New England and DC and Orlando, and then I mean they could finish third. Yeah, I. The East is definitely the weaker. Of the conferences, I have to say, I mean, that's... It's wide open. 
It is. I mean, throwing Kansas City over there into the into the West. I mean, those RSL, Seattle, LA going to be playing them three times next year. That's going to be good games. Yeah, I kind of wonder what the fantasy uh, implications of the conference realignment are, if there are any. Really, I'm not sure that it's too big of a deal. But yeah, there's the West teams. At least they they like lose that match against Chivas, which was always a good chance. For you to just like pick a bunch of offensive players and know that they're probably going to load up on points, and instead they get to play stingy defense of Kansas City and Houston. So we just have to figure out this next season who the uh, who the Chivas are of 2015. Oh, <laughs> hey, it's true. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. When in doubt, pick a goat. So we'll see who's next on that list. Hmm, awful. Any other trades jump out to you guys right now before we move on? Uh, one interesting thing I thought uh, would be keeping uh, good to keep an eye on would be uh, Mark Sherrod uh, coming back to Dom Kinnear at uh, San Jose. Mm. Uh, he, he was pretty promising before he got knocked out with that injury, and uh, hopefully if he's up and ready to play by, by the beginning of the season, uh, he could be a sleeper. For San Jose. Yeah, do you know, out of curiosity, how close is he to returning? That I don't know. Because he got injured super early in the season, and yeah. I think he's at least close to being able to start training again. Yeah, I think he's close. He'll have, he'll have the whole offseason to, to get back up and running, but I thought he was close. Um. Oh, the only other trade that I thought we should mention is Hamas and Olave back to Real Salt Lake. Yeah. Dude is getting the old, but him and Chris Schuler in the middle, that's a pretty potent center back combo, even though looks like those fullback spots will be changing over. Yeah, Salt Lake defense may be appealing again, although I'm not sure that Olave at his age is a giant upgrade over what Borchers was last year. Many artificial pitches out there. I guess uh, you guys up in Seattle. Portland, Seattle. Yeah, well, I'm happy about Olave coming back. He'll have a fun time. Uh, playing on our artificial turf and so hopefully we'll score a bunch of goals against salt lake this year because he's old <laughs> and hates turf so oh so cruel so cruel is that is that a, an early trash talk thread that we have going on right now i don't know i'm always just in the mood to trash talk always in the mood for trash talk so <laughs> oh that sounds pretty good so what were the biggest we'll try to i guess we'll try to wrap some things up with this what were your biggest surprises and letdowns from this 2014 season yeah, so I think I already touched on it, but the biggest letdown for me were the defenders, um, especially the the high-priced ones like uh, Cullen. Um, I mean, putting one in your roster early in the season just was painful because they were giving up goals like crazy and they cost a lot of money that you could have spent elsewhere. Uh, so, like I said, I dumped them as quickly as I could, but... That was a pretty pretty big pain early on in the season for me. Um, yeah, I didn't really have any big letdowns, I don't think. I started off pretty well, actually. So, yeah, no giant letdowns. Surprises, Bradley Wright Phillips. I have no idea how that guy managed to start scoring so many goals and then keep scoring throughout the year. It's like the guy should have had, like, 35 with all of the, like, point-blank chances he missed. And I guess my prediction for next year is that it won't be quite as good. I, I don't know how you can repeat that uh, good of a performance, especially without Henri feeding you. So 
Uh, that was definitely the biggest surprise. And I don't, I picked up Bradley Wright Phillips for maybe two weeks of the entire thing. So yeah, I did not call that, but I, I did try to ride that train as long as I could. I was really disappointed. I was hoping some more of these midfielders and players would step up when, when the world cup guys were gone. I just didn't see as much of it. Like I loved watching Sal Zizo in, in the preseason and, uh, I mean, I'm excited. I, I'm hoping, I think he's at New York now. Is that the last trade update I saw for him? I think he's at Red Bulls. So I'm hoping he gets to get some more time there. But um, a lot of these guys just didn't do as much for me when, when the main stars were gone that I'd really hoped for. Yeah, I think the most surprising player I saw uh, that did well for the World Cup absences uh, was Atanilla, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. Pretty solid for RSL while... Uh, Paul Ramondo was out. He was. He actually ended up in some of the top statistics that we've got here for for the goalkeepers. That uh, he had a couple of. The, yeah, he was. I think third overall in in points per ninety they had going. And I don't know what his what was his. Total yeah, he was points. just behind Ramondo. Yeah, he was. He was right up there. So that's that's a that's nice to know you have that. You got your starter gone. Yeah. Although Ramondo's. Four penalties saved was just ridiculous. Do you pick a keeper based on that? No, not at all. But <laughs> you, you can't count for penalty saves, but it's just a nice added bonus. Mad props, mad props. All right, is there anything else for this reboot edition of MLS FI that you guys would like to add before we sign off? Well, the only other surprise uh, for me in the season was the... Unlimited transfers uh, with the uh, prices actually being affected mm. for the players. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining because I, after the uh, unlimited transfers for the international duty, uh, I think I was in the top 10 pretty much the next five or six weeks in uh, uh, team salary. And I think I was the only one in the top 10 as far as uh, team value uh, that was actually in the top 50 overall. Uh, so being able to ride that and playing Keenan Donovan and whoever else I wanted to uh, definitely helped a ton. I made 42 transfers over that unlimited transfer. Oh my gosh, Travis. Fortnite, yeah. Well, I got uh, about $5 million from those two weeks. Uh, I'll be interested to see if they do that again, if they have an unlimited transfer window where the transfer values actually get affected, or if they switch that up again. Uh, and definitely I'd encourage people to come over to r slash fantasy MLS because there are some dedicated Reddit members who try to track those price changes every every day. Week in and week out, so that was yeah. This year's formula was a little bit trickier, very difficult to predict uh, when players were going to rise or drop for a while. Kind of made it more fun. Not not quite sure, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Hats off to those guys, and it's a great, great resource. I'm glad Travis is helping me do all that, and everyone who's over there at that making that community great is just it's great to work with you guys. That's yeah, fun. Uh, well, I guess this is about it for. MLS Fantasy Insider. Uh, I give a shout out to the Fantasy MLS Insider Twitter and the MLS Fantasy Boss Twitter. I'll be taking questions on both of those accounts 
for potentially using in our next podcast. Uh, just a little heads up, format time. Probably going to change a little bit as we're just going to try to zero in on the best format, maybe shoot for about 30 minutes, but we really want to try to make it succinct and, and just have all the information that you want. But we're definitely going to be open to the community feedback and, of course, our slash Fantasy MLS for the Reddit subreddit is a definite good place to leave us information for what you'd like to see here in the future. And with that said, uh, thanks for listening.